0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Yes, I'm excited to kick off this series, the series Starlight. Uh, And Renee, I don't know if you heard this, but Pastor Rob basically told us to go camping. That's like what he told us to do, and so uh, if you know my wife, you know she's a little bit uh, indoorsy is what I would describe her, and uh, so I think, I mean, we would be in rebellion if we did not do what he said and go camping, and so, uh, but it's easy, how I many you know it's easy to appreciate the outside, the outdoors during Minnesota summer. That's the easiest time. Uh, we're not doing this series in the winter. We're doing this series in the summer, and so uh, that's what we're doing, It and it's all about, the series Starlight is all about the wonder and the majesty of God. How big God is, how great God is, and so I encourage you to take some time during this series. Take some time to to let your gaze shift upward to look at to look at creation, to dwell on the wonder of God. In fact, there's so many that are looking up right now as the the, the solar eclipse that's coming in, in in August. If you don't know about it, it's. Uh, um, <laughs> kind of a big deal in the astronomy world, and uh, this, uh, this solar eclipse is coming. Uh, just so you know, this message allows me to get my inner nerd on. Like, so it just allows me. So uh, if you, if you uh, like that, you'll love it. If you don't, you'll say, can't wait for week two. That's exactly where you'll be. And so, uh, but I want to just, just start us off with Jeremiah chapter 32, uh, verse 17. It says, O oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. That's, that's the God that we worship. That's the God that we've spent the morning worshiping, serving, lifting up his name. Because, uh, and, and here's the crazy thing is there was a belief around this time. Uh, there just wasn't, you know, we didn't have it as, uh, we were not as advanced in technology we are today or understanding of the universe. And the belief was that the stars were like a blanket that just covered the earth, and they were all very near, they were close. Uh, and so it's kind of like when you, when you see those glow-in-the-dark stars that maybe some of you had growing up that you place on your ceiling. Uh, it's kind of like this idea that the, the stars are near, they're glowing, they're in the sky. Uh, but amazing to know now we know that there are layer upon layer upon layer of stars and galaxies that we are viewing when, when we look out into the sky. And so this is a different kind of message. Uh, and so this is a different kind of message where I'm not gonna pretend to be an astronomer today, but, uh, but I do know that in, in, in researching and studying and learning this, that, that there is so much, there is so much that when we view creation, the view of our creator elevates. The view of our creator gets bigger and bigger and my faith enlarges and enlarges. And so uh, we can see here from, from like pictures like this that we're gonna show a few of them. And we just, we can get lost in the wonder. We can get, and I hope we do, get lost in the awe and the wonder of how big God is because we will never comprehend his size. We will never comprehend his magnitude, but it's important for us to dwell on it. It's important for us to try. It's important for us to to gather that in our mind. And so A.W. Tozer uh, says this, he says, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's why we're, that's why we're looking into this series. That's why we're, we're not worshiping creation, but we're looking at what comes to our minds when we think about God. Is it the fact that he's so much bigger than we imagine? Is it the fact that he can do anything? He, the impossible becomes possible with him? That's, that's our hope. That's our hope that that's what our mind draws to through this series. And so uh, we're looking at the magnitude of creation and how it points to the magnitude of an even bigger creator. And so there's a picture here I want to show you of, the, of the, the earth compared to the sun or the comparative size of, uh, this is our solar system, right? And so the sun doesn't even fit uh, on this picture and you have uh, the, the, third, the third dot from the sun is us. That's earth. That's how small we are in comparison to the sun and, and our world seems huge. Our world seems massive. It seems huge. And the sun uh, seems even bigger. The sun, in fact, is 800,000 miles across. It's massive. It's huge. You could fit one million earths inside the sun. You could fit a million earths inside the sun. And so, uh, and and to to know this, to look at this, it points so strongly to a purpose, to a creator. It points so strongly to the fact that, 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 that even though we advance in understanding and technology and science, it doesn't mean that we don't have faith anymore. It doesn't mean that faith and science can't coexist. In fact, some believe that with increased scientific and technological advancement, the need for God decreases. Some would say there's not room for both God and science for both facts and belief. But here's the the thing I love. There's not a battle between science and God. There's not a battle. In fact, there's a discovery of God in science. Science points to a creator. There's a discovery in him. And some people, I know many, some people I talk to, they wrestle with this idea of, do I have to, do I have to check my mind? Do I have to no longer use my brain if I'm gonna believe in God? And it could, nothing could be further from the truth because creation and what we learn, it points to a divine hand. It points to a divine creator. And so the more I come to understand creation, the more I come to, to understand and long to understand a creator. And so God's divine hand is so evident in creation. It's so evident. In fact, the gravitational constant through the universe, uh, if it was just a little bit different than it was today, none of us would exist. There would be no life, there'd be no water, there would be no stars. If the gravitational constant was just a little bit different, and we know that the universe is expanding, and if it was expanding a little bit faster or a little bit slower, it would collapse on itself, and it would, it would not exist. It would not, it would, not be in existence, it would not be in existence today if only a fraction of our elements were different. And so when we know this, and scientists know this, it points to a purpose behind creation. It points to a purpose behind creation. And there's, uh, there's 10 words in the beginning of the Bible that are so full of meaning that we all, that many of us, if we know the Bible, have heard these before. But it's, it's amazing when you, when you unpack it, when you look at it, what it means for us. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 10 words that really change everything. That speaks to our purpose. It speaks to uh, creation. It speaks to time and space and matter, that there was a time that God created, that he created time, that, 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 that he created the heavens, that all of the space and the earth, that matter, he put matter inside that space. God is above all of it. In fact, if you're gonna create that, you have to be above that. And so God, uh, um, God points to this time, this space, this matter. All of it speaks to the purpose of who we are speaks to the purpose of who we are. And there's uh, a story I came across of, of this conversation God had with a scientist where God was approached by this scientist and, uh, and he said, listen, God, I know um, we decided that we really don't need you anymore in the scientific community. Uh, uh, these days we can clone people, we can transplant organs, we can create artificial intelligence. We can do all sorts of these things that used to be considered miraculous. And God replied, you don't need me. And well, all right, let's put that, let's put that to the test. Why don't you, let's have a competition to see uh, who can make a human from scratch. The scientist says, okay, all right. And he bends down to grab a handful of dirt. And God says, whoa, 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 get your own dirt. Get your own dirt. And so just realizing that to create out of nothing, to create something out of nothing can only be done by God, can only be done by an infinite, amazing God. And so uh, the, point, the point is not to say that science is bad, but to say that anything that doesn't point to a creator is missing the mark. Anything that doesn't point to a creator is missing something. Uh, and so here's, here's where we are as a church. We think there's a lot of room for different ideas about the world, okay? There's different, people have different ideas about how old it is, uh, uh, how old are people, how long have people been here? What about uh, dinosaurs and evolution? And people have all kinds of questions about it. And here's the reality of it. You can believe a lot of things as long as you believe that all of it was created in purpose, with, by purposeful by a purposeful creator. If you believe that, there's, there's different room to believe how old things are, what existed when, but we can, we can disagree about some of those things. But the thing we cannot disagree on is that we were created by a creator and that there's a purpose in that creation. And so uh, we're elevating our view of God today. That's what this is about. We get to elevate our view of God. And so as I read Jeremiah thirty two seventeen again, I hope, it, I hope our, our faith is rising. O oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And so that statement back then, we talked about how it, uh, Jeremiah would have just assumed that, that the stars were like a blanket covering the earth. And that was the, that was the general idea of the time. But, uh, but it's almost like there's this grander truth for us today, that the more we dig in, the more we understand God. And it's like God's saying, if your faith was low before, all right, and, and you still had this amazing statement, you still, I still was able to inspire you through this, through your understanding back then. He's saying, now, the more we understand, how much greater, how much greater will you see me? How much greater will you understand who I am, what I can do? The scope, the scale, the immensity, the wonder, the awe, the power of God can blow us away. It can blow us away. And Isaiah 55, 9 says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so anytime we think that I don't really need God, God isn't isn't really that big or God isn't really that good, It's it's important for us to remember that we can't, like, even if we try to create something, we're using his dirt, we're using his world, we're using his resources. And so I want to illustrate just how big God is and how difficult creation is for just a moment. I'm gonna ask everyone to close your eyes uh, around the room. Uh, And I just want you to picture, to picture your favorite color as you close your eyes. Uh, And then I want you to do something else. I want you to invent a new color in your mind right now that you've never seen before. Anyone picturing colors that you have seen before? Yeah, yeah. As you open up your eyes, we know that that we cannot create, we we can experience color, but we cannot create something that we haven't experienced. We are not able to do that. And imagine this, even if we were, even if we were the mental power that that could take and knowing that God created all of it just by speaking. He created all of it in a moment. And then he wouldn't experience something and say, "Ooh, I saw this in this other universe, or I saw this, and I'm going to incorporate that and build it in. No, nothing existed. There was nothing, and he created all of it because God is uncontainable. He's uncontainable. He's indescribable. He's beyond our wildest dreams. And then there's us. And then there's us. And we live in a small subdivision in a galaxy called the Milky Way. And really, the, when you look at the stars, scientists use a light year to measure its distance. That's what they use. We're talking about something so big. The Milky Way is so big that you have to use a light year to measure. It. And a light year is the speed or it's the distance that light travels in one year, right? The distance light travels in one year, 5.88 trillion miles. So just about 6 trillion miles that light travels in a year or 186,000 miles per second right? And so I made this, um, and so a light becomes the measuring stick. A light year becomes the measuring stick. And we'll talk about light years here. And uh, so it reminds me that I made this toolbox uh, with my son Davey just a, a few weeks ago. And, and he just loves tools. He loves building things. Um, and so we, we, we created this pretty simple toolbox and I'm looking to fill it with some tools. And I found this old little small tape measure. And this tape measure is only six feet. And at first I'm like, I don't want to get him a wussy tape measure, like a little six-foot tape. I need to get him a big tape measure. And so I'm looking at the biggest tape measure I have and the biggest, and it's just about 25 feet. That's the biggest tape measure I have. And I think that's the measuring stick. I've never needed something bigger than that. All right? And I know there's some people, they have 100, 200-foot tape measures, but, uh, but that's the biggest tape measure I've needed. The tape measure that God uses or that we as, as people use to understand God's creation is a light year, is 6 trillion miles long. That's how big the tape measure is, even to understand. And we'll see that even that doesn't do justice to the size of creation. And so the Milky Way consists of billions of stars, estimates of 100 to 200 billion stars. And uh, if you counted the billion stars in the Milky Way, one per second, In fact, that's what we're going to do for the next 15 minutes, Uh, and that's going to be the message, to understand what God is doing. No, if we counted one, two, three, we counted all the stars just in our subdivision, in our galaxy, inside the wider universe, it would take 2,500 years just to count the stars, just to count the stars in the Milky Way, in our subdivision, in our neighborhood. If our solar system were the size of a quarter, our galaxy would be the size of the North American continent be the size of the North American continent. If you wanted to visit your neighbor on the other side of the subdivision, you'd have to travel the speed of light, all right, six trillion miles. or right, you'd have to travel this in one year for 100,000 years to get to their house. I am never complaining about going to the in-laws ever, ever again. You can hear me on that. I'll never complain about it. See, and scientists say there are hundreds of billions of other galaxies, other subdivisions in our universe. When you look up at the stars, in fact, most of them, they're not even stars you're seeing. You're seeing galaxies, this thing that if the sun or solar system were a quarter, all right, the, the, our galaxy would be the North American continent. That's what you're seeing, a continent of stars that you think is just one star. In Psalm 33, 6, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. I'm in awe of him. I am in awe of him, and stars are these, they're these gigantic balls of burning gas, and the fact that they even exist, the fact of how they create is just, it's really miraculous, and, and we believe that our sun is, is huge, right? And so there's a, there's a picture here, I would just want to show you, uh, of our sun, and we talked about there's, there's a million earths that fit into our sun. This little red dot, and, or this little white dot, not the red circle around it, but the little white dot in that, that's us. That's planet earth, and this is just our sun, Okay, and so there's a million Earths that fit inside the sun. Okay, and then there's another photo I want to show you that compares some, some even larger suns. There's a sun called Rigel. Uh, Rigel, and it, it's, it's inside um, uh, Orion, and so it makes our sun seem small. So our sun now becomes a dot that actually on this you can't see. You can see it on our computer, but it's, it's a speck above where it says sun, not, the, not even the yellow speck above Alber, uh, Alberio. Uh, I just made up that. I have no idea I say that star. And so, but there's a speck, right? And so uh, this sun, a couple down, this small blue one, Rigel, you can fit 1 million of our suns inside that sun. And that's an Orion. It's one of the, actually the brightest stars, one of the brightest stars in our sky. And so created, held together by forces, by gravitational forces. All right. And so you have a million earths in our sun. You have a million suns in Rigel. Then you have a sun called Canis Majoris. And we don't have a photo of it. We can't even show a photo of the sun and Rigel and Canis Majoris on the same. You, you can't fit them all onto the same graphic. But, uh, but you can fit one million Rigels inside Canis Majoris. One million of this sun that has one million of our suns inside the sun. It's one of the biggest uh, uh, stars that is, that is known. And so, um, but the distance from earth to the sun is 93 million miles. It's, it's incredible. The distance from our earth to the sun, 93 million miles, but the diameter, so not even the distance, but the diameter of Canis Majoris, one of its largest stars, is eight to nine times that distance, all right? Eight to nine times the distance of, of 93 million miles. You take that eight to nine times. That's just the diameter of this one star that God created, this one tiny star. And so I want to illustrate this with a flashlight and a, and a golf ball here. Um, and we're not playing night golf in case anyone's ever tried doing that. That's not, that's not exactly what we're doing. But um, so if the earth were a golf ball, I'm going to try to illustrate this a little bit. If the earth were a golf ball, uh, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest, okay? And so the height of Mount Everest, so we want to ask how big is God? Just one star, right? And I want to I encourage you, if you want to take a field trip, Uh, Some of you will opt for the near field trip about getting into the country, viewing the stars. Some of you are going to go to Nepal, take a flight to Nepal, climb Mount Everest, right? And I just challenge you, open up your parka, pull out a golf ball. Maybe don't open up your parka, maybe keep that baby closed. And so uh, climb up, pull out this golf ball, all right? And realize that you are six miles above sea level, right? You're six miles above sea level, standing on top of what would be one star, and you're holding in your hand a golf ball that represents earth, and you are somewhere as a tiny dot on top of that golf ball. That's how big God is. That's how big creation is and what God created. And so, uh, to put it another way, there's, if, if the earth were a golf ball, that's enough earths, um, that you could cover the entire state of Texas with golf balls. If, if the state of Texas was Canis Majoris, you could, you could cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls two feet deep two feet deep. So imagine rummaging through that and finding the one golf ball that you live as one speck on top of that golf ball, right? That's us. That's us today. And so uh, looking again, if we take the Orion constellation as an example, uh, a well-known constellation, uh, we've we've got a picture of it up here as well. And so this is um, uh, it's kind of known as this fighting guy. And so some of them that we've, that we've talked about, um, a fighting guy, that would be what my kids would describe it as. And so, uh, but it's one of the best known, best known constellations, or it just means a group of stars. Uh, and we have to remember that it looks to us like, oh yeah, these are kind of near each other, or they're maybe in the same distance from us, but, but they vary wildly in how far away they are from us. Right. And so remember we're, we're looking at the speed of light and just to talk about the speed of light a little more to understand this, uh, this constellation. So, uh, there isn't anything faster than the speed of light that is known. Light travels faster than anything else. And, and um, uh, rocket ships travel really fast, right? 25,000 miles per hour. That's really fast in my view. And so it, would take, it takes three days to get to the moon in a rocket ship. It takes about three days. Now, to give you a perspective, if you were driving a car 60 miles an hour without stopping, it would take you about six months to get to the moon. And so our current technology can do it in three days, 25,000 miles an hour. That's incredible. That's incredible. But it's nothing near the 5.88 trillion miles in a year that the light travels in. And so as I hold up this flashlight uh, and we look at this, this, doesn't, this, is, this is as cheap as a flashlight as you can get, right? And so this flashlight, it really doesn't seem that impressive, but we know that there's not a delay in receiving the light. It's not like you turn this on and you're like, man, I got to wait a minute for this one before I actually see the beam or before it starts working. And so when I hold up this flashlight, we realize that, that we expect light to be fast, we expect light to be instantaneous. In fact, this is how fast light is. So if I was standing on top of a mountain, again, uh, I just have mountains in my mind, I guess. If I'm standing on top of this mountain uh, and, and, and none of the factors of earth were there, okay, and just the distances. And so, and if I, if I shine this light out from the mountain, okay, it would circle the earth seven times in one second. That's how fast light travels. That's the speed of light. It would circle the earth seven times. And so when we talk about things being a light year away or light years away, that tells us. And when we look at the Orion constellation, the closest star in Orion is Bellatrix. It's 243 light years away. It's Orion's right shoulder. Uh, it's, It's, like I said, it's the closest in Orion to us. But if we could travel the speed of light, it would take 243 years. That's what that means for light to reach us or for us to reach that. And so what it means is we're actually looking at an old photograph. When you look at Orion, we're looking at a photograph of the light of, of what we see of that star is 243 years old. That's how long it takes to reach us. Uh, another star in Orion, uh, Analam, is, is 1,360 light years away. It's the furthest star in Orion. And so what that means is, is what we see in that picture, right? And Anilam is the, the center one on the belt, uh, the center one on the belt in that warrior. Uh, what we see from that photo is from 1,360 years ago. Right? The 7th century. So if that star exploded, it would take 1,360 years for us to see that it exploded. Tra- that's how, and that's light traveling that fast. That's how fast light travels. That's how far away. That's how big the galaxy, the universe is. The closest star to us, uh, Proxima Centauri, is 4.2 light years away. It's the closest star, the scientists know, to us, traveling at rocket speed, 25,000 miles an hour, it would take 81,000 years to get there. Just as simple, it's the closest star to us. 81,000 years, Bellatrix would take six and a half times that long, the closest star of Orion, five million years. Analam, two billion years. Two billion years if you're traveling at rocket speed. Rocket speed. So if you multiply the distance between us and Anilam by a thousand, okay, so that far star that takes two billion years to get to her, a thousand, uh, which is just over a million light years away, it would bring us to Leo T galaxy, one of the closest galaxies to us one of the closest galaxies. In fact, astronomers view anything within 100 light years away is considered near a near object. In astronomy, when you're looking at stars, it's considered close, it's considered near. And so we're talking about something on a whole nother level, on a whole nother level. And so, and yet here's us, here's us. There's a picture of us in the Milky Way galaxy and we wonder where do we sit in this? Okay, if we, we aren't even a dot. We aren't even big enough to be a dot on the screen of the Milky Way galaxy, this galaxy that has billions and billions and billions of stars. And you could wonder, why why are you trying to make me feel small? You say, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm trying to show you you are small. I am. I'm trying to show that we are small. Isaiah 12, and uh, I'm going to read parts of of, um, 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 chapter 12. I'm sorry, I'm I'm missing the the chapter. I'm so sorry. But uh, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Who has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. What I love about this is not just how big God is, not just the fact that he created it all, that it's like him holding a grain of sand in his hands, but that he knows every one of them. That's what the most incredible thing about that is, not just that he created it and threw the stars into the universe, but that he knows them by name. He says he knows when a single one is missing. He knows he would know if a single one was missing. And so when I think of me, when I think of we, we look a lot smaller right now. We look a lot smaller right now. You could even use the word insignificant for us, but out of our insignificance, we are given a significance because of our creator. We're given a significance because of our creator. It has nothing to do with our intelligence. It has nothing to do with our our wisdom. It has nothing to do with what we've done in our life. It has everything to do because the creator decided we would be significant. That's why we have significance. Significance. And so if you're here in this place and you'd say that I I don't have value in this life or I'm the least in my family or I can't figure things out or I'm waiting on God to do some miracle for me, I want you to know that God considers you significant. The fact that we can stand here and talk about how big God is, is a grace of God, is a grace that God has given us in Psalm 8, 3 through 4. It reads, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? And when we imagine us looking up at the stars, us looking at the stars and and thinking, who are we that God would care about us? Who are we? But the God who created all of the stars, he cares about us even more. He cares about people. He cares about uh, humans even more. In fact, in the creation story, he created the heavens and the earth and it talks about the things he created and how he divided, created order, brought order out of chaos into his creation. And all of it was good. All of it, God said was good. But when he created man and woman, he said it was very good. He said that we are very good. And so the God who did this, the God who, who exists in this, in this universe, he knows you by name, Right, he knows your marriage, he knows your family, he knows your job, he knows where your next paycheck is coming from, he knows, he knows how he's going to bring your, your, your child back that's maybe wayward from him, he knows how he's going he to heal you, he knows how he's going to save you. Above all else, he knows exactly how you are going to be redeemed. And that's why 2,000 years ago, he sent his son for us to be redeemed. And so when we, sometimes when, when I think about others in worship or, or celebrating God, I think, man, God must've done something great in their life. And I just, I can see how God's doing something incredible. Look, but maybe only because they had this miracle or I wish if God would do that for me, then I'd be able to worship like that or I'd be as excited about that. I'd, I'd know that God was with me like that. And I ask us today, like, has God not done something miraculous for us? If we think we're waiting on the next miracle and then we'll value who God is, has he not done something miraculous for us? Because I know in scripture and I know in my life it says that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was yet a sinner, He died for me. First John three one says, "See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God." That we should be called children of God. And so, Renee and I, we, we missed you guys last week. We were just on on vacation, celebrating uh, an anniversary, and so we we're, we we're, uh, we spent time uh, on the beach, and so. Uh, just looking at all of the grains of sand and how big the beach is and how it's stretched for miles and miles and miles, right? And and scripture talks about how God knows all the grains of sand, right? He created every single grain of sand that is in every desert, that is along every beach. And the crazy thing about this is that that scientists estimate that there are are multiple stars for every grain of sand on this planet. And so when we hold a, a handful of sand when we view sand and we see how many grains there are that we would never, we'd never want to count that many. We'd never, we wouldn't know them by name. We wouldn't know if some were missing. There are multiple stars for every grain of sand and God knows every single one of them. He knows every single one of them. So Jeremiah, as he talks about a strong hand and a powerful arm and nothing is impossible for God, we are in awe of what God can do. We're in awe of what he can do. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. Here's what faith means. Faith means seeing God as both good and great. A great God who can do anything, who the impossible, where the impossible can be done. And he's a good God who can not only do everything, but desires to be near us desires to be, to be close to us. He loves us. He cares about us. And by his strong hand and his powerful arm, nothing is impossible for him. And so as we dwell on God today and we think about the wonder of God, I just want to ask you one question today. What are you thinking is too hard for God to do? I think every one of us, have, we have something in our life that, that we think it's too hard for God to do, even though we might know in our mind, of course God can do that, but we write it off and say, ah, God wouldn't do that. That's not something God would do. Or I've prayed for that too many times for that to really happen. I've believed for that for so long and I haven't seen anything change. Can God really do that? What is it that you believe is too hard for God to do? And today we're gonna go again, to the throne, We're going to go again to the source. We're going to go again to the creator, recognizing that nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is impossible for him. And so God, in this place, Lord, we take a moment together and we lift up your name, Lord. We take a moment together and we know that our worship, our prayer, that all of it is transformed by who you are. That we've come today not to receive something, but to give something back to you to give our lives back to you, to stand today in worship. Lord, saying, you are so big. You are so great. You are so good. Nothing is impossible for you. And we turn to you, God, and we say, by your strong arm, by your powerful hand, we put all of our faith in you. We believe that the impossible will be made possible through your hand. Thank you, God, for what you have done. Thank you, God, for what you are doing. We lift up your name today, Jesus. In the name of the Lord, amen. Amen. We're going to do this. We're going to stand up together because I want, us to end, I want us to end with a moment of worship together. And here's why. Here's why. And we often end our services this way, but I want to put a purpose behind it today. When we see God as big, when we see God as massive, when we see his scale and his scope, it should lead us to praise. Our response today is worship. Our response today is praise. It should lead us to know that I've come to offer something to God. Sometimes we think worship is a time where we come to receive from God. And I think that God does bless us in those moments. But worship is us saying, I'm laying my life down. I'm laying my life down and I'm picking up your cross. I'm picking up your life. I'm realizing that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He died for us. And so it changes the way we pray. It changes the way we worship when we see God as big and bigger and biggest and so today as we worship I encourage you to to go to a place you normally don't go if you normally are, are too uh maybe worried about your neighbors to lift up your hands or to go and do something new I challenge you God is big enough today it's just a simple sign of surrender I encourage you if you normally sing quietly sing loud to know that God is worthy of it he is a God who is so big and yet he loves us and so let's worship today church come on